Hello, people. As you see, we already going to start off like this. This is an impromptu cooler talk. We can't call it cooler talk Monday because it is not Monday. Uh-uh. But guess what? This is your DJ, your debonair, six man K Styles. Chilling once again on the one twos with my boy over here, the mad scientist, the enemy of the state, mad my sports. And y'all already know that this is the quiet storm. No, 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 no. This is not the quiet storm. <laughs> they do that one. This is the six man hour right here. As you already know that this music is played. And you already know. That I apologize for yesterday. Um the boy six man case down had a 14 hour shift and ended up in old man mode. But let's go ahead and get into this. Real roll call. As you already know, and ATM, stop hating on the music, man. These people love it, man. This is DJ K Styles on the damn ones and twos over here. <laughs> so today's roll call. I don't know why that dude can't just be a normal person. <laughs> I don't know why, but we're going to go with Joseph Thornton. We got YMOF Jamal and Shane. And here we go. I can't even. like Low ski. See, it's, it's, the, it's, 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 the, it's the power of the punch. <laughs> we got the professor in the building. We got Bubba Gump, Marwin Johnson, ATL Leo, Tev Sports and Gaming. Saint 16, old chicken hauler. Uh ATM, you can kick Ross. This music is off. This, this this music is fire. We got got my got my little my homie here, Ricondo. He in the building. We got Derek. And we're gonna give a couple more. We got Matt Town Mike, the RC plane maker. Uh, we got Rodney H and Floyd Donnelly and Hey, I bet you, I, hey, ATM, I bet you if Stetson Bennett was playing this music, you would think it's the greatest song on earth, would you? I mean, of course he would. Mm-hmm. That garbage that motherfucker out here. <laughs> but. Of course he would. We got a special guest today, man. You know, I had to do the intro, but we got a special guest today, man. I don't know if y'all, y'all may know him, but he decided to kick it here with us. And we're gonna bring him on with you. And it's is my man's here, JT Sports. What's up, boy? What's going on, man? What's going on, man? If y'all see, if you if you guys see me look like I'm not paying attention, trust me, I am. It's just a fly flying around the room. You know how it is trying to kill these flies. <laughs> that was so damn random. <laughs> <laughs> no, you good, man. You good, man. You know, no, you know, you know, I had <laughs> you good, man. Uh, my bad, man. I had you know, I had to get the DJ one twos going on for the intro, man, before you came on, man. Hey, let the people know who you are, what you do, man. 
Yeah, man, what's going on? I appreciate y'all for having me on, man. Um, I was a little bit sad last night, not even going live, man. I was looking forward to it. I trust me, man. <laughs> I, I was I literally was waiting all day for it, bro. So uh, I was like, oh man, I was uh, really yeah. hurt, man. Got all my uh, work done yeah. early, so oh uh, boy, trust, 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 trust me, boy. I ended up with one of the longest days at work and ended up with the oldest man results. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that man had me calling around, hitting numbers like, "What? Bro. I just talked to you like ten minutes ago. How are you?" I was, boy, I was ten done, minutes talking. Ten minutes bro. turned into a whole hour okay. of trying bro. to figure out where's K Styles. Okay, we're gonna yeah. have we gonna we, we gonna put up a where's Waldo uh, 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 meme and just go like where's K Styles because bro. bro, I was looking for this man for a whole a whole day, a whole freaking out. Bro, bro, look, look, look! I called myself trying to take a nap at least about an hour before the show. It ended up going from hoping to get up around seven o'clock to then waking up at ten o'clock. I said, "Ain't this about a bitch?" comments, the comments before the show, because I, I had came in here and I was just reading the comments. I was waiting for everybody to join, right? right? And I see the comments talking about some. Oh, them boys don't went out drinking again. I said, "Oh, nah." <laughs> Nah, trust me, trust, trust, trust me. If I if I was out drinking, man, I probably would be on the show, but I act the complete ass out here. But yeah, but 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 we but but this is the this is the redo show today, man. JT Sports, man, let them know how you doing. Let them know what you do, man. Yeah, man. So over at JT Sports, it's the off season. So right now, we're talking college football, trying to preview some of the teams. I'm also trying to preview every team's offense and defense so I can get a better understanding of the overall team. And, yeah, so that's what we have going on the channel for the month of June, July coming around, so training camp inches closer. Just just trying to kill time until the season gets here. Okay. Okay, so is there any type of team that you are particularly excited about? Or somebody is like, you got a team you're excited about, and do you have a team that's like, eh, what the fuck? So I'm not even gonna lie, I'm a Steelers fan, right? Okay. But I'm really hyped to see what Cincinnati does. I, I'm not even gonna lie with you. I think I think them boys might end up going all the way to the AFC Championship game, and it might be them in Buffalo this year. And the team that I'm kind of on the edge about is Philadelphia, man. So. I'm kind of a little bit upset because I was going back and forth with one of my homies, right? I asked him who is a better coach, Nick Serrani or Mike McCarthy. And I tell him Mike McCarthy because the Eagles were one and eight against teams above 500. So he was like, make a poll. And I told him, put some money on it, man. I'm so confident Mike McCarthy going to win that thing. I said that thing two hours later, man, the vote was Nick Serrani, 63% and Mike McCarthy, 37. I told him I'll send you your 50 next week. Damn! <laughs> wow, wow. So, so as you as you being a Steelers fan, man. So how how do you how do you feel about what they've done in this offseason, particularly in that draft in the draft as well? How do you feel about that? So I really like what Pittsburgh did in the draft. We all knew a pick it was there. He was going to Pittsburgh. Mm. I was thinking that there was a possibility of them taking the league, but. After reading reports and talking to a couple of people, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter weren't really on the radar. It really was either Kenny Pickett or nobody else. So I like the pickup. 
Then we got DeMarvin Lill in the third round, defensive tackle out of Texas A&M. Really good when it comes to rushing the passer. However, I still don't really know how I feel about him because his tape was really inconsistent. But overall, right. I like what Pittsburgh did in the draft. I think that this is definitely a team that a lot of people are counting out like they do for the last three years. And Pittsburgh has done nothing but prove people wrong for the last three years. But, you know, with this whole Deshaun Watson thing, Ah, it looks like we won't be the worst team in the division. So, <laughs> even though well, I don't think it was going to happen anyway, I thought somebody was going to have to crash and burn. <laughs> this black man had to be us, but this turnout is a mess. I, I just Bruh. feel bad for the Browns fans because they've had enough bull crap. And here we go, <laughs> boy. Them, they them owners, them owners, the taste of postseason success, and then evaporated just like that. It's gone in a year. It's gone in one year. Your whole future, your whole you put your whole future on a on a a a situation you don't know the end result of. Mm -hmm. But that's good. But that's but 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 that's good for y'all though. That's good for the Steelers though. Because but check me out. The Browns, however, they're not as bad futurized as people think. And here's the reason. Even if Deshaun Watson can't play, the good thing is that before they got. This deal done with Deshaun, they already had their best players already locked up long term. If you look at their roster, all of their best players are either on rookie deals or they already renegotiated them the long term. Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. So they're pretty solid. They just have to hope that either Baker Mayfield can come back or maybe Jacoby Brissett can be good enough to get them there. Well, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield is so petty, man. That man might not even want to goddamn play for the Browns. But I don't blame them. <laughs> it, it kind of, it's kind of like you meet a girl, right? Y'all mm-hmm. really relationship mm-hmm. going smooth. Next thing you know, she run into a little rapper. You guys probably live in Atlanta, so it's like your girl running into a little baby. You know, she think her and little baby gonna be a thing. The next thing you know, little baby kick it to the curve. Then she come back begging for you when it don't work out. You already don't moved on. I'm gonna say you tell you, you better take your ass to the damn McConnell Lodge, boy. Don't come back to my <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, getting back to that Steelers draft, like, like it was a couple underrated picks that y'all did take in this draft that that kind of shocked me because, like I said, that, that I think the Steelers had one of those drafts that nobody really talk about that mm-hmm. they hit on a lot of good stuff, especially on the offensive side. You got you got you got our boy George Pickens who who we wanted down here. Man, man, <laughs> I was so mad with that. That's man, the last man. team I expected him to go. But but then but then you ended up getting uh Calvin Austin. Mm-hmm. So pretty much you pretty much trying to get your um almost your Antoine <laughs> Randall L on with that one right there. So here, here is the I think here's the motivation for drafting George Pickens. So I don't know if you guys know, but Deontay Johnson right now is holding out. Um, he doesn't really have that much leverage, but he's been our best wide receiver for the last three years. He led the NFL in drops in 2020, but he bounced back, had a really good 2021 year, went to the Pro Bowl. This is the final year of his contract, final year of his rookie deal. So he wants to get that new deal secured before the season because, you know, these players now want security. However, he's trying to hold out, but he doesn't have much leverage because he's not a top 10 receiver. You feel me? And this is last year was really his coming out party. And the Steelers don't really have a problem with taking care of their players. However, 
you still have to try to get Mika Fitzpatrick locked up long term. And we just got a new GM because Kevin Colbert retired, who's been our GM since 2000. So new GM. So, yeah. So for Pittsburgh, I think George Pickens was probably our insurance policy. If Deontay Johnson tries to ask for anything more than 15 million. So if you're a Falcons fan, keep your eyes on Deontay Johnson. Because me personally, I would love to see him stay in Pittsburgh, but I kind of know how Pittsburgh's <laughs> philosophy is when it comes. They to don't pay nobody. They don't pay no. <laughs> they no, don't, they no. Really especially some, especially somebody that hasn't put years and years of work in. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah, man. Like here's the thing with Deontay, we we definitely would love to bring him back. You feel mm-hmm. me? But at the same time, we just don't have enough money to pay him right. and Minka. And we just right. got done paying TJ Watt. Like, mm-hmm. like, like I said, you like I said, between Minka Fitzpatrick and Dante, Deontay Johnson, Deontay Johnson, you need to take your ass to the 7 Eleven because I'm I'm I'm, st- I'm sticking with um Minka Fitzpatrick over here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where do, do you see because the Steelers have always been an organization where they lean more towards balance. Is is they don't necessarily play? I, I would say they don't pay offensive guys, but we know that this team, the identity of the Steelers, of the, of, uh, is the defense. Where do you see this? Or like where do where do you see this? The offense going? Like what what is going to be the makeup of the offense? So last year we had a new OC in Matt Canada. He took over for Randy Fickner and we was hoping that the play calling would improve, but it didn't really do it all that much because Matt Canada wanted to run the RPO style offense, a lot of motion and whatnot. You couldn't really do it because you had old man, big Ben Roethlisberger back then. We know he ain't outrunning too many people. So (laughs) in the sense, it's kind of like he had them. Finally killed that fly. But it's kind of like he couldn't really run the kind of offense he wanted to run, right? Right. But even though he couldn't run the kind of offense he wanted to run, the play calling still was really questionable at times. And the offensive line was really, really bad. You feel me? And it was so bad to the point that people kept having this misconception that Big Ben simply didn't have the arm strength to push the ball. While he showed several times last year he had enough in the tank to throw the ball 60 yards downfield. However, you can't throw the ball downfield if you only get 2.3 seconds to throw the football. So that's why Pittsburgh had to keep doing these dump-offs, and it was really annoying because the offense didn't go nowhere. So going into this It was just like It was a horizontal (laughs) offense. It wasn't vertical at all. At all. It's a bigger offense. But, I mean, we had we definitely had some breakout studs. Najee Harris was good as advertised. Mm. People hated on that pit because they were mm. saying, oh, you need to approve the offensive line or blah, blah, blah. Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson were pretty much the offense. It was either going to Najee or it was either going to Deontay. And Chase Claypool was effective for the first four weeks of the season, and then he just went ghost yeah, after that. And it wasn't his fault. Mm-hmm. It's just that – He's more of a deep threat, and we couldn't get right. the ball downfield to him because it wasn't no time. So going into right. this year, I'm praying to God that Tra- that Trubisky does not get in- – I pray to God that he gets beat out by Kenny Pickett because I oh, told man, people – and, and a lot of people – And I, let me ask you guys this. Let me know if I'm tripping. 
if Kenny Pickett, our first round pick, the perception about him was that he was the most pro ready quarterback in this draft class, right? Right. So if we have somebody who we perceive to be pro ready, why shouldn't he be able to beat out Mitchell Trubisky? And it really irritates me that it's people trying to make Trubisky out like he's just he's this God, but, and I, I'm just having a real hard time understanding. They keep saying he was held back by the bears. I'm like, bro, come on, bro. Let, let's be for real. Let's be for real for a second. <laughs> Go ahead, Kate. Um, what crack smoking convention <laughs> said that this guy was a goddamn <laughs> already. Like what? I, what I saw, he was never ready to begin with. Look, 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 look. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it like this. It's pretty much Trubisky's damn job to lose. I mean, as far as the it's kind of like the whole Matt Flynn, Russell Wilson scenario. And the Falcons are kind of going through the same thing right now with the with Mariota and Ritter. Um, like I said, Trubisky got he he's got some bumps and bruises in the league, so like I said, you're not going to rush him. Like I said, if Kenny Pickett beats out Mitchell Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky might as well have a clipboard tattooed on his motherfucking face because he ain't throwing another pass in his league. He might as but, well because the thing <laughs> is, is that with Kenny Pickett, we got Trubisky because we didn't think that Pickett was going to be there at 20. As a matter of fact, it was rumored mm-hmm. for months that he was probably going to get drafted by Carolina or maybe Seattle or quarterback mm-hmm. team. So we was under the impression that, you know, we was just going to get an offensive tackle, Charles Cross, or maybe another cornerback such as Kyra Elam. And then in the second round, maybe we get a Desmond Ritter or Malik Willis. Well, mm-hmm. with Kenny Pickett falling all the way at 20, we didn't expect that to happen, and we wow. drafted him. And there's also a report that came out that said that Pittsburgh, when they signed Trubisky, they never told him that they had plans on drafting another quarterback. So he was coming into this thing thinking that, okay, I'm going mm-hmm. to be the guy. It, I don't have to worry about anything. We just drafted mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. Well, he believed that? I mean, he crazy if he believes that. Like, <laughs> well, this is the yeah, NFL. Saying, this is the NFL, bro. Like, like, your spot ain't guaranteed no more. <laughs> no spot. Especially my, my if you – go ahead, Mike. My, my bad. Go ahead. My, my, my thing with, with the with the Steelers, I understand where he's going, but I don't, th- I don't see it as a loss if you start picking. Because, nah. like, this dude has done nothing to – He's done nothing to gun a starting position. The dude has been atrocious for the very few for what few games that he played. He's a turnover machine. He makes bad decisions. Like that's been Mitchell Trubisky since he got in the league. So like I don't see the negative in starting a, a Kenny Pickett. And like I said, I'm 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 the type of person I'm sitting right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, Ritter needs to he needs to learn the offense. Back. Why? Because we got we have a Mariota, but mm-hmm. Mariota <laughs> is better than anything that Mr. Yeah. Trubisky. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm about to say, boy, Mitchell Trubisky is, uh, bro. He he he's about he's about as good as um, Alex Smith of the 49er days. That that that, that that's what Mitchell Trubisky is. Ooh. 
you. Yeah, that that, that was way bad. better than when if we're talking about when um wait, 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 Jim, Harbaugh, wait. When Jim Harbaugh got there. Not yeah, we're talking about mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, like you said, I wouldn't I I I would agree with Mike. I wouldn't take I I I wouldn't be surprised if a Kenny Pickett starts day one. Cause Mitchell Trubisky showed me nothing, and he showed me nothing in college. He showed me nothing in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, and I'm actually surprised that so many people that are going for bad. I so for every potential quarterback battle, I did it for every team. I did Desmond Ritter, Mariota, Geno Smith, Drew Locke, and I did Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky. I said that if Kenny Pickett can't beat out Mitchell Trubisky, then I'm gonna look at him a little bit. Side yeah. eye, you get what I'm saying? Because if you can't beat out Trubisky and we drafted you because our general manager raved about your pro readiness, the fact that we've watched you so much because you they practice in the same facilities as Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Panthers. So we we share facilities. So we've watched Mitchell, we've watched Trubisky over the years. We know what he is, and we've seen Kenny Pickett in college. So we know how effective he can be in our system. You get what I'm saying? We drafted mm-hmm. him with our head coach and our offensive coordinator saying that, hey, he is a perfect fit for our offense. And plus, he's pretty much a plug and play. So I don't really understand what would be the point of drafting a quarterback in the first round who should be able to start right away when we could have just used that pick to get somebody who can have an immediate impact. Because if we were going to swing for the upside, we might as well have just went ahead and drafted Malik Willis in round two or three because the upside is way higher with him. He has a way stronger arm and more athletic more athletic um, traits than Kenny Pickett. And you got to remember, I'm the same guy who was upset that Pittsburgh drafted Terrell Edmonds over Lamar Jackson. And guess who Lamar Jackson went to? You want to know why Pittsburgh's draft <laughs> class was overshadowed? Because the Ravens always knock it out of the park every single year. Every single year. All right. Hey, man, we got a couple questions here in the comment for you, man. I'm going to go ahead and highlight a couple of them. Um, <clears throat> if you don't mind answering for, them, for us right quick, man. Uh, we got Hucklebuck71 says, what is your assessment of Desmond Ritter? Like, well, what did you what do you see in Desmond Ritter? I heard you particularly said about you could have saw Pittsburgh getting redder. Well, what, what, what's your take on him, man? So I really, I really like the Desmond Ridders film coming out of Cincinnati. This is a quarterback who who's solid. He doesn't do anything particularly bad. You get what I'm saying? He mm-hmm. he's pretty smart when it comes to reading defenses. As a matter of fact, there were many people out there who said that he was the most pro ready quarterback. So mm-hmm. he also has very good mobility. He ran a 4-4, so the speed is there. He's not a runner who's going to make you miss with crazy elusiveness, but he's a runner that if you give him a lane, he can make you pay with, you know, straight deadline speed. He also has mm-hmm. a really good arm, a better arm than what people give him credit for. But my problem with, with Desmond Ritter is that there were too many occasions where he came out streaky. He's a streaky passer. Yeah. What yeah. I mean by a streaky passer is that there are moments in the game that he just goes ice cold and the accuracy mm-hmm. is really off at times. And he's a he's a rhythm passer. You got to get him in the rhythm. You get him in the rhythm, he's going to end up having a good game. But if he comes out cold, it may take him a while to get going. And by the time he gets going, you may already be down by several possessions. But I was a big fan of Desmond Ritter. I thought that mm-hmm. Atlanta was a really good place for him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I think I think I think with the necessary um offense where they're gonna be relying more so on the dump off passes and the short passing game, and compared to what he had to deal with in Cincinnati, I confidence wise, it should be able to build his confidence enough to kind of get out of those cold streaks. I I, I kind of think that like when you look at Desmond Ritter, one thing that I was most frustrated with his game is that and a lot of these RPO guys is that when you look at them, like they're at the mercy of the play caller. And I, I, I needed to see times in a game where, all right, off script, this is hurry up, or he needed this fight that the headphones are not working. What can he do as a leader to kind of like, all right, this is, he's ready for the pros. And like, I, I think that's for me, um, with a lot of younger quarterbacks coming uh, out of college, I need to see those games where I seen from a uh, a Mac Jones where we saw him take over games. Like, all right, we're not running the ball well. Let's see what happens. Like, those are the moments that I've yet to see from um, from Ritter. That like, this is the main reason why I need him to sit on the bench. You're like, all right, un- figure out what Arthur wants, and you mm-hmm. build on that. But like I said, that's the same thing. That's the same thing that, you know, Arthur, Arthur Smith has dealt with quarterbacks like that. He's dealt with Mariota like that. He's dealt with Ryan Tannehill like that. So he knows, okay, let me go ahead and kind of construct this offense. Let me go. Let me give you some of these rhythm throws. Like I said, that's why we got a lot of running backs that can catch the ball out the backfield. This is why you got tight ends. This is why you got the big receivers. This is why you putting all these guys that got these catch radices and these yak yardage guys. Because, like you said, once he be able to get that confidence, and the thing about him is when he's confident, and you just said when he's confident, mm-hmm. oh, right there, it, 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 boom, boom, boom. His boom. best film <laughs> – was against Notre Dame, and that it, it's ironic because in the biggest games, Desmond Ritter showed up. You see, there has never been a big game that Desmond Ritter has ever played bad in. And even if you go mm-hmm. back and you watch the Alabama game, he didn't play bad in that game. They just mm-hmm. got outmatched. You get what I'm saying? It was a mismatch mm-hmm. from the start. <laughs> However, the games that he struggled in were against inferior opponents. Murray State, he had a really bad first half. Came out in the second mm-hmm. half, lights out. But against Notre Dame in the big games that Matt Georgia, you guys seen them firsthand when Cincinnati could have won that game, but it was bad yeah, clock management on the half. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the yeah, that was the game. That's the game I said, yeah, did did I like this kid right here just from that game right there. Yeah. But I, I love Desmond Ritter. I was a, I was pretty big on Desmond Ritter, as a matter okay. of fact. You know, I was happy that he went to Atlanta. I feel he gets to sit for a year. Atlanta mm. can't let Marks Mariota get beat up behind a pretty young and improving <laughs> offensive line. You get what I'm saying? So he'll be in right. a better situation next year. But I'm kind of rooting for Mariota also because I've always been a big Mariota fan. And Marks Mariota may end up surprising a couple of people just because him and um, Arthur Smith have a little bit of familiarity. Well, a little bit of familiarity with their days back to Tennessee. Because the mm. thing with Mariota is that 
he was never really a bad quarterback his first couple of years in Tennessee. As a matter of fact, his first couple of years got off to a really good start. He took them to a playoff appearance, mm-hmm. led them to a conference behind victory. So this is somebody who has proven the thing with Mariota is that injuries really took a toll on him, really. Mm-hmm. And then he got injured to the point that Tennessee couldn't trust him. And then mm-hmm. the injuries piled up so much. And then remember, Tennessee was always bringing in new officer coordinators. They had Mike LaFleur. He loved, mm-hmm. they had so many new OCs. And when you look at developing a young quarterback, something that's always important that people overlook is stability. The best young quarterbacks in the game are the quarterbacks who have consistency on the coaching staff. It's hard to develop a young quarterback when he has a new coaching staff every year. Look at Daniel Jones, coach number three, and look where he's at. Jameis right. Winston, three coaches in Tampa. Right. Uh, we got another question here. King Quest here said, if if Dwayne Haskins had – didn't pass away from unfortunately he passed do you think that the Steelers would have drafted Kenny Pickens anyway <laughs> yeah man yeah. Okay. here's the thing Mike Tomlin and Dwayne Haskins shared the same agent you feel me uh, so Dwayne Haskins signed with Pittsburgh and I think that he was going to end up being our backup he was going to have a shot you feel me? Because Mike Tomlin always gives everybody the opportunity. If you look at all of the quarterbacks who have been on the Steelers roster in the past, almost everybody has had an opportunity. We started an undrafted rookie free agent in 2019 named Devlin Duck Hodges, a duck caller. That's what he's doing now. He's a duck caller. Literally. Not making it up. He was an undrafted rookie free agent. We gave him a shot. Joshua Dobbs, who has been holding the clipboard on our team oh, for so long, oh. got an opportunity. Oh, Lord. Even he got an opportunity. You feel me? So Dwayne Haskins would have gotten the opportunity. It would have been competition because one thing about Mike Tomlin is he doesn't care where you were drafted at, where you're from, how much you're getting paid. You're going to compete mm-hmm. for everything. Nothing's going to be given. So I think Dwayne Haskins probably still – would have had a shot even if we did draft Kenny Pickett because that's just what Mike Tomlin is as a person. He doesn't believe in handouts. He makes everybody earn everything. Okay. All right. Let, 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 okay, now let's go ahead and flip it because I remember at the beginning I asked you about the team that you liked and then the team that you didn't like. And you said the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> oh, What's man. up with that? This, 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 this it's, not that <laughs> it's not that I don't like Philadelphia. Is that they have a lot to prove. They have so many question marks that people are overlooking. Listen, I, I understand they surprised everybody. They went to the postseason. However, you always got to take context into everything. They were one and eight against teams that had a record of 500 or above. As a matter of fact, the only team that they beat that had a winning record were the New Orleans Saints without Jameis Winston. All their other games, they lost by 10 points or more. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what that tells me is that when you're getting blown out consistently against good teams, that shows you that your coaching staff isn't good at making adjustments. And yes, you can say, well, JT, Nick Seriani didn't have a great team. That's understandable. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Houston Texans, both those two teams were two of the worst teams in the NFL, but yet they had more wins than the, the Philadelphia Falcons. Eagles did against teams – yeah, but the Falcons weren't all that bad last year. As a matter of fact, I came on here and said that the Falcons should yeah. win at least seven games. <laughs> yeah, now, this year, I don't know. 
But last year, y'all, y'all were what I expected y'all to be. You feel me? Y'all were mm-hmm. competitive in most cases. Y'all beat the teams that y'all were supposed to. Y'all lost to the teams that you get what I'm saying. But mm-hmm. for Philadelphia, another thing is that not only do I have questions about Nick Seriani's abilities to make adjustments against the great coaches, but I wonder just how much is Jalen Hurts going to develop as a passer? Because at the end of the day, if you listen to any head coach, and I was listening to Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan on the podcast that they did last year, and Kyle Shanahan was explaining the decision to get Trey Lance. He said, it's nothing wrong with Jimmy Garoppolo. By the end of the day, you got to have a quarterback that can win from the pocket and a quarterback that can also win when things are falling apart. You see, Jimmy Garoppolo Mm -hmm. is good when he's playing within structure. That's why we call him a Mm -hmm. system quarterback. But what happens when that structure gets ruined and you have pressure in your face? That's where Mm -hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo is at his worst. So when you look at Jalen Hurts, I don't know – just how much he's going to develop as a passer. And even if he does develop, you feel me? We don't know if he's going to develop good enough to be able to win you games in the postseason because we see Lamar Jackson, right? We love Lamar. I love Lamar. But let's call it what it is. A big reason why the Ravens have struggled is because he's still struggling to throw from outside the numbers. And plus, you can say that Greg Roman kind of has – he, he might have to go. You get what I'm saying? Greg Roman is good for working with quarterbacks with Lamar Jackson's skill set. Mm-hmm. Tyrod, Kaepernick in the past with the 49ers. However, you got to have a offensive coordinator that can take Lamar Jackson's passing game to that better. next level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for Jalen Hurts, I don't know if he's ever going to progress as a passer good enough to take Philadelphia deep in the postseason. Cause he could be what Vince Young was early in his career. You remember Vince Young when he first oh, came yeah. out of Tennessee and you saw what happened to him after a couple of years in the league. So I love Jalen. I'm rooting for Jalen. I think Jalen will figure it out, but I'm not low on Philadelphia. I just have questions about Philadelphia. I'm not as high on Philadelphia as many people are. Mm. Because you kind of feel like it's more so they're going to have to rely on that defense again this year just to be on the safe side, right? Well, really not just the defense. Really, I just need to see – I just need to see Nick Sariani show – Nick Sariani show me that he can make adjustments against some of the best coaches in the league. I need to see Jalen Hurts be able to show me that he can be efficient from inside the pocket because if you watch any Philadelphia Eagles game and those losses, the passing game was awful. I mean, mm-hmm. God awful. They struggled to put up 150 passing yards against the Buccaneers. You feel me? Yeah. Like when the like when the passing game wasn't working, it was it was dreadful. And I don't think I'm hating on Philadelphia. You feel me? And like I when I made the bet with my homeboy, I really am shocked that people think that Nick Sirianni is better than Mike McCarthy in only one year as being the head coach when he hasn't beaten really any good teams he hasn't really proven himself yes he got philadelphia to the playoffs but you beat up on bad teams you feel me so i still need to see more i'm i'm somebody who i take a wait and see approach you get what i'm saying i gotta Mm -hmm. see Hey, look, I'm about to say, JT, man, I think you over here spitting hot fire. Man, they, they love you, but they love you. Well, I see nothing, I see nothing but flames in the comment section. So they loving your what <laughs> they loving your takes, man. We take them saying, out, man. man. JT Sports, man. JT Sports. We're gonna put the link in our community chat. I gotta go ahead, man. Go ahead, man. So check me out. When you look at Atlanta. This offseason, you feel me? 
how what what are you guys doing with these wide receivers? Because I keep hearing everybody saying that you guys don't have a lot of speed, and you do got you do have Amalia Zacchaeus. Yes, I know how to pronounce his name. Watching that Virginia. <laughs> but are you guys going to be a team that's going to run the football and then try to attack the field vertically and have a lot of wide receivers that can win outside those numbers with those 50-50 balls? Brian Edwards is really good at that. Drake London as well. Like, what do you guys think Arthur Smith is trying to do with this offense? Because it's really weird because it's it's like a throwback offense because you remember back in the early 2000s, it was all about having the big wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Now in the year 2022, everybody is willing to sacrifice that size for speed and quick route runners. So what's what what are you guys doing on offense? What's the plan? I, I made this comparison when we drafted um, – Tyler, that I I compared him to Emmitt Smith. It is not a lot of wasted motion. And he, when Emmitt sees a hole, he hits it and he hits it hard. No hesitation. He goes for it. You see the wide receivers, big physical wide receivers, the quarterback, Troy Aikman, he was another one of those guys. Look, he, he, he wasn't all about the deep ball. He would throw the ball between the um, you know, between the twenties, uh, and within twenty yards. Nothing flashy about it. They just hit it, and that's what Arthur Smith offense is. But the thing is with him, this, this is the thing what I, I I think a lot of people are missing. He has a mobile quarterback now. He has a mobile quarterback now. When the mm-hmm. offense, when the offensive line break down, you know what Matt Ryan's going to be. But now with those blitzes on the edges, you can't be as aggressive on the edges now because guess what? You lose contain. Mariota and Riddle are going for 10, 10, 15 yards. So that's more time for one, the receivers can be more patient because they're bigger, more physical. And they can sit back and watch what the secondary is doing. And plus, they got the size and the strength to be able to outmatch a lot of the smaller, the smaller DBs. So, I, I, mm-hmm. I think this, I think this offense is going to be a lot better. I'm not going to put a, a number as far as the rank is concerned because you still got to sit on the field. But I think the offense is going to be a lot more exciting, a lot more effective than people think. And the reason, and somebody in the comment section said, why does speed matter? The reason why speed matters is because when you have bigger wide receivers, you're sacrificing speed, which means that those wide receivers may not create a lot of separation. One big knock on Brian Edwards that I noticed that a lot of Raiders fans had on him was that he didn't create too much separation. That was the biggest thing with him and his route running wasn't all that great. So that's why now the NFL has kind of shifted to more Smaller wide receivers that are quicker, yeah, they may show getting off the line, but if they can work on their release, they create a lot of separation. That's what the NFL is about in 2022, space. All these spread offenses are about space, spacing out the defense, spreading you out wide so they can have a little bit more room to throw the football. Okay. Uh, kind of get to, back to your question, JT, what you talk about as far as the receivers. Um, Yeah, like I said <clears> – <throat> We ain't got it. We ain't got. We may got a couple track stars on here, like with Damian Bird and uh, OZ. <clears throat> but if you, if we, if we, if we look at 
the game, the footage from last year on what our wide receivers looked like, it was absolutely atrocious. These dudes couldn't get we, – we worried about trying, uh, wide receivers getting separated. These dudes couldn't even separate off the line of scrimmage. <laughs> it, was bad. it was bad, man. So – I think where I think where their 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 approach was going into the offseason is we're gonna we're going to get guys that can fight that man on man coverage, that bump and run coverage. It's essentially it's essentially like basketball, it's essentially like you trying to you throwing the ball down the post and you got now I ain't even gonna say Shaq. You got KG right there on the post right there, like okay, throw it, throw it to me. Cause mm-hmm. man, I mean and and the thing is, and I look at and I look at how Arthur Smith's offenses are, and I look at his time in Tennessee, is they never really essentially had no speed burners like that neither. But the thing about it was the guys could get off the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. This is the main thing we talk about. Like you said, you got speed guys in the NFL. That's fine. These offenses, they create these opportunities with these deep, the these drag routes, these deep post routes and stuff like that. A lot of pick routes. NFL a lot of, like that. a lot of NFL teams are running a lot of these pick routes too. You want to know why I think Atlanta drafted Drake London? Because why? you remember when Arthur Smith was the OC in Tennessee? His number mm-hmm. one wide receiver was Corey Davis. Corey Davis mm-hmm. wasn't the flashiest guy, but he was mm-hmm. rough. He was really physical mm-hmm. after the catch as well. And he got drafted right. really high. I believe he was one of the first wide receivers taken off the board. Yeah, I, in Michigan. yeah and, I think he was fifth, I think. Yeah, yeah, and he was never bad by any stretch of imagination. Injuries were really the only reason why he couldn't stay healthy. When mm-hmm. he was on the field, you know, he was solid. He just didn't play. When you draft the wide receiver that high, you're expecting Jamar Chase. You feel me? But mm-hmm. he was really productive. So I think when you look at Drake London, I don't know if you guys know who this is, but he reminds me a lot of Michael Pittman for Indianapolis, yeah. number 11, mm-hmm. the light-skinned right. dude. He was their right. best wide receiver. But he's a more physically gifted version of him. He He's mm-hmm. really physical. If you see him in person, the dude is massive, big hands. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for him. But and- last year, Kyle Pitts was pretty much the only weapon in the passing game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and, and, and I'm mad you said I'm mad you said Michael. The reason why I'm, I'm mad you said Michael Pittman, and the reason why I say this is one name and one name only. I might know where I'm about to go with this. <laughs> Goddamn, Cle- Cleophas throwing them the ball didn't do wonders <laughs> for them in college. <laughs> if you haven't been watching, you you. Cleophas, he's talking about. I don't even know how to. Kedon Slovis had Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman, (laughs) and Drake London at wide receiver, and they could. Oh man, and and Saint Brown. He had some solid receivers, and he still didn't improve things. Because the one, the one, the one advantage that uh, Drake London had. At coming out of USC was the fact that he had a quarterback that that couldn't throw the ball to him accurately, so he had to damn make adjustments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying, but yeah, speed. Like I said, we ain't gonna be fast. We ain't gonna be. We ain't gonna have no fault to. We got a couple of them. Like I said, Kyle Pitts is still the vertical threat in this offense. We we and essentially what they're gonna do with these wide receivers is open it up 
for Kyle Pitts to hit those seams because that's where Kyle Pitts does his work is in the seams. Mm-hmm. Now on defense, I mean the defense, AJ Terrell. Um, it was somebody who did rankings of best cornerbacks from every year. And Jalen Ramsey came in at number two, one for 2021 last season. But there were a lot of people in the comment section who were rooting for A.J. Terrell, who said that A.J. Terrell deserved that title last season. Mm-hmm. A.J. Terrell balled out. I mean, he was the only person on Atlanta's defense that I that everybody was really watching. So going into this year, you have him. I think you signed Casey Hayward. Mm-hmm. I think he's I think he's more of a slot corner. That's where he's at his best at. But then you guys lost Deion Jones. You lost um Forsale Luacon. But you guys drafted this linebacker from Montana State. I can't think of his name right. Troy. Oh, we call him <laughs> we call we call him T one thousand from Terminator. Cause every time you see him run, he like this. <laughs> that's that's t1000 right there boy (laughs) hey if the quarterback situation don't work out you can throw him in there he played quarterback (laughs) this dude did everything he won Mm -hmm. he won offensive player of the year at quarterback defensive player of the year he played wide receiver running back shoot you can throw him shoot right 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 but what what was you gonna say what was you gonna say on that though what what was you gonna say how did you guys think that he'll end up getting the start week one with Deion Jones and everything that's went off the linebacker position? Because I'm really worried about the defense, you know, because I saw um, Matt might make a video about Marlon Davidson needs to step this. So I was like, oh, God. Because <laughs> I remember mean, last time we heard that, we was talking about Vic Beasley, and we saw how that went. <laughs> Oh, oh you trying to blame me for that? No, you can't blame me for that. No, I just thought that. No. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I ain't been let that go. I ain't got nothing to do with that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, it maybe was my fault because I was a huge Big Big fan. So, hey, it might be my fault, man. Mm-hmm. Good God. But yeah, yeah, the 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 defense is going to be the question mark this year. I, I believe is the issue with our defense last year is we couldn't stop the run. That's really what it came down to. Regardless, and it's crazy that AJ Terrell had the year that he had, and we couldn't stop the damn run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it kind of played into it because it's like, why am I going to throw the ball if I know I can run through you? The 2,200 rushing yards for a whole season is a lot of yards to be given up. Hey, at least your run defense wasn't as bad as Pittsburgh's last year. We had the oh, worst in the league. Yeah, oh, they man. had a bad Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that. Dude, that, when, when, I, when, when, when Matt might post the news about Deion Jones, or when I saw the news, I sent them, I said, hey, you want to Oh, oh he said he was ready. He said he wanted, wanted Deion, boy, like. Mm-hmm. But I think okay. I think the issue I think the issue is like I said I, and, and, and help me if I'm maybe wrong or not. But Pittsburgh's defensive line is kind of undersized in a way. Is it is it kind of undersized? Well, the thing is, is that we for a while we 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 had a lot of injuries last year on the D line. We had Tyson Alualu, who was our best run defender. He got his season cut short week two. Then mm-hmm. Stephon Tua, this was a guy who had a breakout season in 2020. Yeah. He recently retired. 
And we were expecting big things from him because this man had 11 sacks. It was his breakout year. So he didn't play last year at all. You feel me? And one of the biggest storylines this offseason for Pittsburgh was going to be what Stephon Tua going to play or whatnot. He ended up retiring. So you miss out on the extra pass rush, but you replace that with Chris Warmly, who we got in the trade from the Baltimore Ravens in 2020. I thought the dude was going to be trash. He had seven sacks. But the thing is, is that for Pittsburgh, our defense is so predicated on making sure that we have great defensive line play because what we do is our defensive line, they eat up the blocks, and then our linebackers come, and they have mop-up duty. You feel me? However, we weren't able to do that. We had Cam Hayward, but we didn't move him inside. He was playing the end, so he was playing more outside. So mm-hmm. the offensive linemen that we were playing against, they were moving our defensive linemen around and getting to the linebackers. And Devin Bush, Joe Schobert, that's not really their strength. They're not really known for being able to clean off blocks. They're more players who they see it and they come and do mop-up duty. And Devin Bush coming off his ACL injury, he was asked to do a little bit more than what he has done in the previous years because the defensive line has always been so good. Because remember, the Steelers have always been really good against the run over the last couple of years. So last year, the run defense being so bad, it made Devin Bush look a lot worse. Plus, he still was trying to get back from that ACL injury. So the run defense, I'm hoping that it improves. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to this year, you bring in Brian Flores, who probably is just going to be there for a year, but he's the linebackers coach. And he's been working with Miles Jack, and he's been working with Devin Bush. And I feel that, Miles Jack was in a similar situation as Deion Jones last year because Deion Jones didn't play all that well. But if you go back and you look at his previous seasons, he's always been one of the better linebackers in the game. Well, I wouldn't say he particularly played bad. It just didn't live up to what people were expecting of him as far as the pick sixes and interceptions. It was kind of it, it was kind of a typical year for him. He just didn't have those wild plays, like, like yeah. That, and, and I think oh. I think that I think that was like kind of like the biggest difference between him and the previous year. But because Deion, boy, have, Deion, go ahead, Mike. Dion was still um, because Dion, for the most part, like if you look at his numbers and what he ranked on the team, he was still, you know. Seven if not numbers. behind Grady Jarrett, he's still one of the biggest playmakers on the defense side of the ball outside of Grady Jarrett and AJ Terrell. So it's like my, my thing is, as far as Dion is concerned, um, whether or not Troy Anderson would take that spot. Like, I well, there was an article, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely doing a video on it. Um, I'll have that out tomorrow, but um, Bush, the uh, linebackers uh, coach, he was pretty much saying, like, they're going to put Troy Anderson on a snap count. They're going to slowly bring him along. So um, whether or not this is Deion Jones last year, that's really up to the development of Michael Walker, Troy, and and, and Rashawn Evans. Rashawn Evans is a guy that's still on a one-year prove-it deal. So mm-hmm. I, Deion still has a year left after this season. So he's still an Atlanta Falcon. The thing is, it's up to those players behind him to take his spot. Right. Right. Cause um hey, let me let me let, let, let me let me ask you that just kind of getting on the Deion Jones. Um, why do you feel like he didn't really play 
well, like outside of what I outside of what I said, what what makes you feel like he didn't necessarily play well? Well, I think Atlanta's defensive line didn't really help him out because the key for any linebacker really, because Deion Jones has always been known for his pass coverage. You feel me? That's always been what he's been known for. He's one of the best coverage linebackers that we have in the game. He's not really, he can, yes, he's really good against the run as well because he has to close in speed, but he's not really known as that run stopper. So for Atlanta, you didn't really have those big boys in like how they should have had, which is why, Matt Mike is probably demanding more out of Marlon Davidson this year. And Grady Jarrett, we already know what Grady Jarrett demands. He gets triple teamed on almost every single play. So you really need everybody else to step up. And that's the thing with Aaron Donald. You feel me? Aaron Donald, a lot of people have to understand why he's considered one of, if not the greatest football player ever, because you don't find too many defensive tackles that are able to dominate the game the way he does, not just when it comes to run game department, but how many D tackles in the history of this league can consistently give you multiple 10 double digit sack seasons year in and year out. And with him demanding so much attention, that helps out the other players that the Rams have on defense. And you saw that once they brought in Von Miller, they really started to wreak havoc on teams in the playoffs. Then on top of that, you also had um, Leonard on the other side as well. So for Atlanta, I feel that for Deion Jones, he didn't really have that much help when it came to the big boys doing their job up front. And that's the large reason why most teams have bad run defenses. Cause look at the chargers last season, they run what people call a wide nine defense. And what a mm-hmm. wide nine defense is, is that you have your edge rushers spread out a little bit more wider, which gives them better pass rush lanes. However, you got to be really strong on the interior of your defensive line, which means mm-hmm. you got to have, Big run cloggers. However, the mm-hmm. Chargers didn't have that last year, so they were so susceptible against the run, and their linebackers weren't great neither. So for Atlanta, your defensive line has to be way better this year if they're going to be able to get better when it comes to stopping the run game because when your defensive line plays good, that makes things easier on your linebackers. Now, it'll be different if you had true run-stopping linebackers. You feel me? If you had linebackers that were good – at getting off blocks like a Michael Parsons or whatnot, you wouldn't have that issue. But with Deion Jones being primarily a off-ball linebacker in a sense, he's not really meant to be taking on the tackles. But you want to know who was stopped for Atlanta last year at linebacker? For sale, Luacon, and y'all lost him to Jacksonville. He he led y'all team in tackles. Pretty much our best linebacker when it came to stopping the run. Dude was a monster. I didn't even know how to pronounce his name at first. All I just saw was mm-hmm. Luke had a great name. Making all kinds of plays. I would say, I I I, I kind of have to challenge it on on that on that note only because um, you if you if you look at the attention that Dion gets, it makes it easier on Foyer. But the thing about those two is those two are kind of like. They're kind of like new addition. They good together, but when you break them apart, it's like, uh, I don't know. Because there was like like and I and I gotta you, I gotta I gotta point this out. And then like I said, we got people that kind of point out with Dion is they see they say they see lack of effort. No, 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 no. It wasn't lack of effort. The issue was was the plays that Dion was you're used to seeing. 
Foyer was getting. Foyer was mop playing mop up duty as well. So it's not like so. Like I said, it's, I wouldn't say it was necessarily better. It was better numbers wise, but when you actually look at the tape and you look at it, it wasn't that much better than Dion. Foyer had an excellent. He had a great season, but if you're going off of PFF, and I know I, I'm gonna ask you, do you go off of PFF or do you use the eye test? So I do a little bit of both because. I'm somebody that I'm a really open-minded individual. So I like to get different opinions from different people and not just different people, but also I like to look at different data points as well. So I don't fully factor PFF into my analysis, but I definitely do have it a little bit of consideration. It's just, you got to take those extra data points in place. You feel me? And then also I read a lot of articles. (laughs) He reads. <laughs> <laughs> read a book. Read a book. Read a motherfucking book. Yeah, because that, that's, that's why. Because I was trying to figure out why was because it was a rumor before Deion Jones even got injured that potentially he could uh, he could be a June first cut. So I was reading up on what was Deion Jones good last year, and trust me, there were a bunch of articles breaking down Deion Jones' performances. So really. I was just reading those articles and I don't just read one article. I'll read about four or five. And then the overall opinion is what I'll kind of roll with. And then I'll go ahead and watch a couple of games myself if I have to get to that point. But I've seen mm-hmm. a good amount of Atlanta games last year because I had Cordell Patterson on my fantasy football squad. So he was my starter RB and he was tearing it up for me. So I had no choice but to watch him. <laughs> <last> <laughs> Hey, I had a couple Steelers players on my fantasy football team. I won my league last year. Um, I think your boy Pat Furymouth. Oh, he, Pat Furymouth. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he saved me quite a few points, so I appreciate Chase Claypool didn't do shit. <laughs> I, was I was telling people it wouldn't make no sense to get trace claypool when you know that the steelers offense is going to be predicated on throwing right. the football short which benefited deontay johnson and even this right. year i probably would get chase claypool because i think he'll bounce back i think there was also a lot of maturity issues as well but for atlanta you know you guys have some players that i really like when it comes to fantasy football-wise this year. Um, we already know what Kyle Pitts did. Kyle Pitts had the greatest rookie season ever for a rookie tight end. And I came on this show last year, and I said that, you know, I think a lot of people's expectations for Kyle Pitts are a little bit, you know, not realistic because people were saying 1,200 yards, 1,000 yards, and stuff yeah. like that. I was saying you don't really see tight ends break out like that that often. Normally takes them two, three years. Well, I mean – Kyle Pitts was different, and it also helps that he was the only weapon in the past game to throw to because for years we were so used to watching Julio. And Matt Mike was right about Julio because many Falcons fans were upset. But, I mean, he went to Tennessee. And you and you didn't see. <laughs> he went to Tennessee, and you didn't see anything. He had about one game, and that was it. That was it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. But – the issue with the Falcon defense last year, like you said, the 2,200 yards given up on the on the ground, the 18 sacks. They had no edge pressure. That's hard to play any game with no edge pressure. They had no edge presence at all. 
So bruh, even if bruh. you do, even if you have a good defensive tackle or defensive tackles, you can't get any yeah. pressure. Bro, so we had compensating the off, out, outside linebackers, the inside outside. We're playing the three four, so the outside inside linebackers they have to be a little bit more aggressive. So you're going to get burned. You're going to get mm-hmm. burned by a lot of like little short routes. Um, and I think that's that's the issue with right. Um, I, I would like to see for I would have liked to see Foyer and Dion in a second year together, and I think you know, Foyer. Um, I mean, he, he went for the money. I don't think it was a yeah. good idea, but he went for the money. And at the end of the day, nothing's guaranteed, right? You got you got to go, mm-hmm. you know, you got to go and try to make as much money as you possibly can. Shit. Yeah, you better make that bread. Especially for a guy like Foyer. Foyer is a fifth round. So chances <laughs> are that he was going to get another contract like that was <laughs> it's, it's, it's small. Definitely, because one thing about those mid-round picks that people don't talk about is that, you know, yes, they have high upside, you feel me? But if they work out and they end up being really, really good, you got to dish out a good amount of money to keep them because those mid-round contracts are really cheap and they only last for about two, three years at most. Mm -hmm. And there's no options behind that. So if he does good, you going to have to pay. (laughs) But, um, but, yeah. Mike, Mike, we go. We we're gonna have to since since we bringing up Falcons Man. defense. We 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 got we got to talk. We got to we got to talk about um, JT. We we have a a, a we coined this for, I, we coined this phrase for this particular <laughs> defensive lineman we have. We call him Route ninety six. The reason why we call him Route ninety six is because every time he's on the field, the offense looking like okay, we finna run at him. Mm-hmm. We talking about Tyler <laughs> Davidson, and this was our issue right here. And like every time he was on the field, they looked at him like, oh, run at him. Oh, run at him. And this is what you was talking about as far as that defensive line having those big bodies up front. Because this is what a lot in, like, as you a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, that's been the culture of Pittsburgh for generations, goddamn. I, I can't put the right word. I'm going to just say generations. Falcons ain't had that in the last few years. We saw it last. We saw it last year. It looked absolutely atrocious. Dante Fowler was the product of Aaron Donald, and we found out the hard way. That's why I said you're gonna let that ride. That's exactly why. I, I don't. Like, I don't think you guys have had a true number one pass rusher since what? Jonathan Abram. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Abram. That was it. And that's been what? What? 2012? 2012. <laughs> <laughs> bruh, bruh, bruh. Dante Fowler was more horizontal in the air trying to jump over people <laughs> than getting sacks. <laughs> bruh, TJ Watt had more sacks by himself than our whole entire team. Let that sink in. He had uh, 22 and a half sacks. Our team had 18 together. And Leon Jones then, led this team in tackles for losses. That's how bad our that's how bad our, our, our D-line was. That's that's just bad, man. So let me ask you. Did, did you guys so I, I asked everybody this with the moves that the Falcons made, because everybody expects you guys to be picking in the top five. Do you guys feel like the moves that you guys made? With the losses that you guys had and the additions, 
you guys view them more as lateral moves, not really improving and staying where you guys were last year? Or do you guys think that you guys regressed or did you get better? I feel like we got better. Because it's more because if because if we if we're looking at how the team was built last year compared to this year, last year it wasn't an identity. It was an identity crisis on the way this team was built because you have a, you you have an offensive minded coach and Arthur Smith that that plays a certain way, but he didn't have the certain pieces that could fit the scheme. Outside of Kyle Pitts, your best receiver was fucking Russell Gage. He's a good slot receiver, but he don't need to be your, your wide receiver number one outside of Kyle Pitts. And um, second of all, defensive-wise, let's, let's look at defensive-wise. And what we did in the draft, we did a hell of a lot better defensive-wise as far as pass rushes in the draft than we did in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Ebby Kenny and Malone, is gonna be, they can be something special here. I said they can be something special. But we got we got to give them the time to do it, and it's just gonna come down to can we stop the run? We gotta stop the run. Let us know if y'all like like with JT man. Check it, uh, check out his channel. Make sure you go JT Sports and subscribe if you love uh, this interview with him. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, man, he, he's he's definitely one of the guys that I and you know how I am. I, I do not like um, supporting mm-hmm. bullshit. So like, if you good, <laughs> you gonna come on in you. If you're on some bullshit, you're not going to come on this show. Right. So, as Falcons fans, because I know you guys pay attention to the rest of the division because you guys are Falcons fans. You got to keep up with what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. So, for Carolina, I mean, I think it may be a lost cause simply for the fact that if they get Baker Mayfield, they may they may make a little something happen. You feel me? But I don't know if Matt Rule's the guy – New Orleans and Tampa look like the two teams. And I'm really high on New Orleans this year because New Orleans, them boys got a squad this year. And if Jameis, if my boy Jameis Winston, because y'all know I love Jameis, and I had to defend him so many times from people, so many times, I told people what Jameis was going to do last year. I told people my boy Jameis just needed an opportunity and the fresh start. And he had the best touchdown and interception ratio in the league. He outplayed Aaron Rodgers week one. Not forget about that. But who do you guys think this division is really going to come? Down? Who you guys think is really going to win this division this year? The Saints or the Bucks? I think it's going to be the Saints. It's probably going to be Tampa Bay. Oh, reason why I say the reason the reason why I say Tampa Bay is when you got Tom Brady back there, there's going to be a bunch of rough in the passer calls that's going to be called on him. That's going to be fucking ridiculous. That's going to cost you games. <laughs> Uh, at some point, <laughs> at, at some point, there's going to be a decline on Tom Brady. You can't continue to play with fire each year. So, yeah. I, I, my prediction, and we did this, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think we did like Thursday. 
and I, my prediction were they were going to go 13 and four, but only on the notion that Tom Brady is going to play like Tom Brady of last season. If he continues to play like we seen him the last few years, then um, I don't think there's anything that's going to be able to stop that Tampa Bay, um, that Tampa Bay team as entirety. One thing that I will say that I think is an underrated, uh, I don't think people are paying too much attention to, but this could be a huge decline in that defense is not signing back in Duncan suit. I believe when you look at him, he's a lot like Grady Jarrett. They moved him around. He played inside. He played every position on that defensive line. The guy can play every position on a defensive line. You don't see that a lot in the NFL. It's Aaron Donald. It's Grady Jarrett. It's Ndamukong Sue. You don't see that a lot. So when you got that type of guy and he's not there in that middle, now we mm-hmm. really get to see what Vita Vey is really about. Is he just a, a guy that can – Occupy space. Can he get after the quarterback? I don't think they can do that. Um, so if they if you get the same Tom Brady, I I, I think they're gonna edge out uh the Saints because like at the end of the day, Sean Payton is just an amazing play caller. That's just not like that's gonna be a huge and not only a play caller, but a decision maker. He knows when to call certain things. Like when he saw the the uh I believe it was the Dallas game where um Alvin Kamara, the dude had like five, six touchdowns or something crazy like that. Like he saw a weakness in that defense and he was just he kept feeding Alvin Kamara. Those are the things that he can see from a head coaching position. I don't believe in Dennis Allen. He hasn't done anything for me to say he's a good head coach. He's a def- he's a defensive coordinator. And Carmichael, like, come on, bro. Who is that? Now, who let, is that? He, oh, oh, oh I, I can't let you slide with that. <laughs> I can't let you slide with that. I can't. <laughs> because let, let, let me tell you, and a lot of people easily overlook this, but Sean Payton over the last couple of years has not called the plays every season. Pete Carmichael has called the plays six out of the last 10 years, and he's been on New Orleans staff ever since Sean Payton arrived. You remember the year when Sean Payton got suspended for Bounty Gate? Mm-hmm. Pete Carmichael was called the plays. The Saints had a top three offense. Pete Carmichael also called the plays 2018, 2019, and 2020. Saints still had top five offenses. With Drew Brees. And there were times last throw that in there too, JT. With Drew Brees, okay? Drew Brees isn't there yet. He's not there. He <laughs> well, I mean, the door. But I mean, with Jameis Winston, though, the offense still pro- the offense kind of played the offense kind of was a little bit better in a sense with Jameis because you have more explosiveness and that's that's always been the big gripe the, that people have with Drew Brees. It, yeah. it was always it was always about you know the explosive plays. You got to remember that the Saints had the worst receiving core in the league. We talk about how bad the Falcons wide receiving core is. Do you know who the heck Marquez Callaway was? He was better than what we had outside of Russell Gage. I'm pretty sure Jameis Winston would have loved to have the Kyle Pitts last season. I mean, the Saints wide receiving core was not great. But another thing, another reason why I'm high on the Saints is that Dennis Allen and their GM, they kept all of Sean Payton's coaching staff. They literally have the exact same coaching staff that Sean Payton had minus Sean Payton. 
So they wanted to keep that continuity. And one thing that I love about the Saints is that they have a family atmosphere. And that's something about building a great organization. Because a couple of days ago, you yes. came on and we was, you was talking about the contracts. And we was going kind of back and forth with it, right? And this is what I was saying about the contracts. You see, the reason why Atlanta is in the situation they're in now, because you had a previous regime that wasn't great at managing that. You see Pittsburgh, New England, Dallas, New Orleans, Kansas City, they're always good at getting ahead of these things. You see Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are already secured long-term. Even though they got mega deals, these are team-friendly deals because when a cap goes up, their deal is going to look like kitty money you get what i'm saying mm -hmm. so the great mm -hmm. franchises when it comes to these contracts that's what i was trying to say is that they adapt to the market they don't need the owner to you know get mad about it because they always see things before they happen and even with bill Belichick, you know bill and the thing with bill Belichick that's costing him now and why new england will never catch up to the bills no time soon is that bill Belichick has this mentality that everybody is replaceable think about it Bill Belichick drafts these stud D linemen and these stud players, and then he ends up letting them walk away because he does want to pay them. The difference mm -hmm. between why it used to work and why it doesn't work now is because for a long time, Bill Belichick was always the best coach in that division. And when you have a great coaching staff, you can scheme your way to wins. However, mm -hmm. the difference is now is that Sean McDermott has proven that he's one of the best coaches in the league. And now the Bills have one of the best coaching staffs in the league also. So when you have a coach that also can scheme up and has a better team than you, that's how you get the results the Patriots have gotten in the postseason when they play Buffalo and when they play Buffalo second go around. Mm -hmm. So for Atlanta, when it comes to these contracts, eventually you're going to have to end up dishing out money to build that team and build those star players. And also no free agent wants to play for an organization that doesn't take care of their players. It was somebody earlier that yeah. said that the Jaguars mm -hmm. overpaid for Fourier Louis Carn. Well, they had to overpay for everybody because look at the reputation they have for treating their star players. The Jacksonville Jaguars drafted Leonard Fournette, Dante Fowler, Jalen mm -hmm. Ramsey, and so many other players in the first round, and none of those players ever made it to the second contract. Mm -hmm. That's bad. Yeah. <clears throat> And then all, then the one the one thing that I will say about the Saints too, and the one thing that we all kind of plan apart, kind of negating. I don't know if you may have mentioned this, JT, but like even when you said about Pete Carmichael and playing and, and calling the plays, you gotta think about that emotion that Sean Payton brings to that team too. We're not playing that into a factor too. Is this team gonna have the same fire for Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael? The message, man. How you see James Winston's pre game speeches? Man, that motherfucker. <laughs> Come on, but man. But that's just gonna be real. But that, you, heard but James, that. you you heard what James said in that interview? He man. said when he got injured, he thought that you know when he was out, he Boy. thought that he used to love playing football. But it turns out, <laughs> from not playing football, he realized that his true passion was playing football. Well, this dude, this dude cut, a, he, this dude cut a four horseman promo. I saw that interview. Hey, JT, we got another question for you from Red, Red Swarm here. He says, what do you think the fall off is for the Falcons for not having Matt Ryan under seven? Oh, JT. Man, I'm going to be real with y'all, man. I feel that. <laughs> 
I feel that many Falcons fans, not saying you guys did, but many people scapegoated Matt Ryan last year. I felt that he got too much undeserved criticism because a lot of Falcons fans look at Matt Ryan and it's easy to look at a guy's age and say he's declining. And then I say, who is he throwing to other than Kyle Pitts? And look at the offensive line. The offensive line is young. And that's another question I got to ask you before we get up off here is that offensive line. But with Matt Ryan, the, the dude still has it. You feel me? He still has some left in the tank. Now, he may not be what he used to be, but when it comes to decision-making, making smart choices with the football, I feel Atlanta's going to miss that because there definitely is going to be a drop-off from Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota. However, like you mentioned earlier, that mobility. So I think that with Marcus Mariota, there may be some things schematically that Atlanta can do to help out their offense. You feel me? that Matt Ryan couldn't do because when you have a struggling offensive line, you got to have a quarterback that has mobility that can extend plays. And Matt Ryan could extend plays, but he can only do it from inside of the pocket. So for Mm -hmm. him going to Indianapolis, that's a perfect fit because Carson Wentz was reckless in the biggest moments when they needed him the most. You feel me? Matt Ryan isn't going to have those late game turnovers. He's somebody who's going to make the smart decisions when it matters. Even though he does have his struggles inside the red zone, still have a quarterback Mm -hmm. that's going to be what Indianapolis needs him to be. He's going to be a game manager at that point because that's Mm -hmm. Jonathan Taylor's team. With Marcus Mariota, I feel that if you can come in, this is how I feel Atlanta's offense is going to be set up. This is going to be a smash mouth football team. I believe that they want to run the football as many times as the defense allows them. I believe they want to run the football 25 to 30 times a game. You want to get Alec Gare, Cordell Patterson is going to be your third down back. He's going to come down on passing situations. And then once you get that run game going, you have all these big body wide receivers downfield, which is going to allow you to attack those one-on-one matchups vertically and if you get a 5'10 corner, because the average height of the starting NFL cornerback yeah. in 2022 is 5'10, 5'11. Atlanta has one of the biggest wide receiving cores in the game. So mm-hmm. somebody asked me earlier about Auden Tate. Auden Tate didn't really get a lot of playing time for Cincinnati. However, I do remember one season where they did have some injuries and he was pretty productive. So Auden Tate can produce if you do give him an opportunity. He can be a really good third option in the passing game for Atlanta. I think this is going to be a run-first team like it used to be when Arthur Smith was calling the plays in Tennessee, and they're mm-hmm. going to end up having you bite up, play the run, and that's when they're going to beat you down the field with these physical big-body wide receivers. And also, you're going to have a lot of options to throw back short of face to once you get inside the red zone. Mm-hmm. Like I said, throw it in the post. Like, hey, throw it, right here. Hey, <laughs> throw it in the post. That's going to be the offense. And throw I think that's something else that Atlanta's offense was missing last year is that You didn't have wide receivers that could win inside of the middle. You didn't have any wide receivers that you could feel comfortable with with saying, oh, yeah, bro, like, let's be honest. They were too busy running backwards. (laughs) (laughs) They running backwards. That's why they couldn't win. Billy Jean is not my love. Yeah, man, but I feel feel like a lot of Falcons fans are going to miss – I don't feel like they're going to miss Matt Ryan bad, bad, but I definitely feel that Matt Ryan has had a career that he's a borderline Hall of Famer. And I was arguing with somebody, and we was making the argument about who was better, Eli Manning or Matt Ryan. And I said that if we're talking about pure talent, 
Matt Ryan was better. Eli might have had a stronger arm, but people forget about how good Matt Ryan was in his prime when he actually had mm-hmm. a legit offensive line and a good team. He was Matt Ryan has been a top 10 quarterback for pretty much his whole entire career. You get yeah. what I'm saying? From 2011 into 2019, he's been a top 10 quarterback. And really, he's in that same conversation as Matthew Stafford. As a matter of fact, I said that Matt Ryan at this moment has a better chance to get into the Hall of Fame than Matthew Stafford does. Because the only thing that Matt Ryan is missing is that ring. That's it. Matthew Stafford doesn't have the Pro Bowl appearances that Matt Ryan has. He doesn't have an MVP, and he doesn't have the All-Pro as well. And the Hall of Fame is more than about championships. It's also about accolades. It's also about where you rank amongst your peers. You feel me? Mm -hmm. Matthew Stafford has been kind of underrated because he played for Detroit. But at the same time, he chose to play in stinking Detroit. You get what I'm saying? They ain't held him hostage. He chose to stay there. You feel me? So I feel like Matt Ryan is going to be missing it, Lynn. And I know you guys probably were a little bit hurt when he got traded. You guys probably like, oh, hell yeah, I was man. talking about Ryan to go. But deep down in your hearts, he was like, dang, man, this man really held down the ATL, man. Really did. Oh, no. Oh, no, nah, boy. They 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 came. They came at us, but they were like, uh uh-huh, he's gone. So what y'all going? But they were so happy. They were so happy he was gone. They were trying to. <laughs> They they was trying to look, they was trying to damn troll us like ah uh-huh, he's gone. Check me out when Big Ben retired. I ain't gonna lie, I almost said a little thug tear. And <laughs> the game that almost made me cry was the Thursday night game when Pittsburgh was playing against Minnesota. I think it was Thursday night or Sunday night, and Pittsburgh was down by several touchdowns in the full quarter. Big Ben, I don't know what the heck happened, bro. When vintage mode, and we came so close to coming back, but Dalvin Cook did took yeah. our souls out. We let him run right up the scene. Devin Bush or Joe Schobert couldn't keep up with him. I, I was just so hurt for Big Ben, man, because it's always hard to see an aging veteran mm-hmm. struggle when he doesn't have a great team around him. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And a couple of days ago, last Sunday, when you said that it was time for Matt Ryan to go, he wants to go to a team that's trying to win something at this stage of his career. It's no really no point in him staying for a rebuild or a retool. Matt he Ryan's got beat up too much. It, it, Matt just—I don't think people realize the physical beating that he took for the last five years. Boy. Like he's one of the most behind. Uh, Besides Russell Wilson, like Matt Ryan is the top. Like this dude get hit more than he gets sacked. Every time he steps back, he's getting hit. That takes a toll on your like for one, your mentality as a football player to just keep getting up. I don't know how he did it each year, constantly getting hit, uh, hit over two hundred times a, a, a year. Like uh, that that's just a. That's worth remarkable to just look at what he did. And then you got last year, the game that really, really soaked it in for me to say, yeah, he's out of here, is when he was sitting on – when he was – it was the game where he um, – somebody stepped on his finger and all you see is his blood all over the place. And I was like, <laughs> wow. Dang. I was just like, damn. This, my, my quarterback got here like bleeding to death and nobody calling a timeout. Nobody's like, are you okay, Matt? Like, the refs are just like, damn, y'all not going to help. And I was like, yeah, it's time to go. It's time for it. So that's when I saw, all right, it's, wow. it's time for him to move, move on. Right. You get it. You got 
you got to think about it. you get you in the last five years this dude done got sat over 230 times these last five years and then wow, close to that what hurt me the most is that I saw him on the podcast. It was some podcast on Ballstool, and they was talking about the Super Bowl. And I just felt so bad because he said after that Super Bowl, he was depressed. He was in a really mm-hmm. bad state. People were talking about Ryan Tannehill's mental state after the playoff loss they suffered. Matt Ryan said, you know, that really took a toll on them. And I was mm-hmm. listening to Kyle Shanahan talk about the um, the game because he was the one calling the plays, right? And everybody put so much, you know, criticism on Matt Ryan in that game when Kyle Shanahan was the one who went away from running the football. You feel me? So for Kyle Shanahan, he also came out and took a lot of accountability for that. He also gets a pretty good amount of scrutiny for that because Kyle Shanahan is known as somebody who kind of his play calling is great until you get down to the nitty gritty. And it's always been like that. NFC Championship game this past year. Yeah, this play calling. Year. And Jimmy G also. And that's why Kyle Shanahan went ahead and got Trey Lance because Kyle Shanahan's explanation was this. He saw what happened with his dad in Washington with RG3. He saw what happened when you don't have a great quarterback. When you have an elite quarterback, he can bail out the play caller. He makes it easier for the guy calling the place. And this is how I evaluate quarterbacks. I have three tiers. You have a bad quarterback which means you just aren't really that good. You got to be pulled up by your whole entire team. You feel me? And then you have average quarterbacks, such as a Dak Prescott. You know, you're elevated by having a good supporting cast and a good play caller. But then you have the elite quarterbacks, like a Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. They can take a bad play call and what would be a five-yard loss and turn it into Mm -hmm. a 10-yard game. They can make a bad play call and still get something out of it. When you look at Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan has always been that quarterback who has always elevated the play call. However, with Matt Ryan in big moments, there has been some times when he has came up small. Not just the Super Bowl, but also a couple of years ago, what's it, 2012 or 2013, when you guys played the 49ers in the NFC Championship game? Talk about 2012. Oh, oh, yeah. You yeah. Talk, oh, you, oh, you talk. You talking about the Harry Douglas? I'm gonna trip on my feet for a while oh, on the touchdown man. game. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I, I, re- I'm really, I really hope that Matt Ryan can win something. I don't think he's going to win in Indianapolis. I think that if he would have went, I think if he would have asked for a trade a little bit earlier, like when New England was looking for a quarterback not too long ago or when the Rams were still looking for a quarterback not too long ago, because believe it or not, Matt Ryan was not um, Indianapolis preferred quarterback. Indianapolis was actually going after Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's who they were going to trade for as soon as they traded away Carson Wentz. But, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo had that shoulder injury. And Indianapolis wanted a quarterback who could throw right away. They didn't want to have to wait until a training camp to get their first look at their quarterback throwing the football. So, for Matt Ryan in Indianapolis, somebody said he's winning an Indy. And Indy doesn't really have enough offensively. You feel me? The AFC is crowded this year. And Indianapolis, or ten, even if Indianapolis wins this division, the AFC is stacked. You feel me? Mm-hmm. People are saying that there could be four teams that make it to the postseason for the AFC West. That's not happening because you can make the argument and say that there could be four teams that make it to the playoffs from the AFC North. If Deshaun Watson plays, you feel me? So the AFC is just so stacked with talent this year, man. But 
I feel that, you know, when it comes to that Super Bowl, that's everybody's perception on Matt Ryan. And you know how we we tend to cling on to big moments on players who don't get mm-hmm. it done. We always remember where their shortcomings were. And I don't feel that enough people celebrate Matt Ryan. I think that Matt Ryan deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He's top 10 in almost every statistical category. You feel me? But at the end of the day, I realize he's a borderline Hall of Famer. He still needs that ring. You get what I'm saying? And and it hurts. Yeah. And you're honest with you. in Atlanta. But to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't even say he borderline. I'd say he is. The, 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 the thing that a lot of people would say is, is he going to be, is he first ballot or second ballot? That's up to, that's up to be, that's, that, that's up to debate. Because reality, reality wise, bro, I can't really call, I can't really say borderline. I just don't know. If, uh, I, we just got to see how they're going to judge it. He's a Hall of Famer. Trust, trust me, he is. And he's going to get in there despite the popular belief that he's not. But I just got to say that. It may take a couple of years, but, you know, for Matt Ryan, for me, I always look at where a quarterback ranked amongst their peers when they were playing. Were you top five during your time? You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And Matt Ryan was always around that outside looking in top five conversation he was always ranked sixth or seventh for many many years but i want to ask you guys about the offensive line because this offensive line struggled but there is a lot of youth and there is a lot of upside i still haven't given up on Jalen mayfield i don't know if you guys gave up on them already but i mean it's upside with this offensive line so how you guys feeling about it all right, Chase, we're gonna uh, we go to the offensive line, man. <laughs> oh, I love, I, hey, hey, man. Um, okay, let, 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 let's go down the list. Let's see. We got Jake Matthews, Jalen Mayfield. We still trying to, I, I guess it's Matt Hennessy for right now, Chris Lestrom, and Kayla McGarry. I like Mayfield because the one thing Mayfield showed me last year is after that Philly game where he was caught crying on the sideline he came back the next week it was busting heads they still <laughs> lost the game against Tampa Bay but he was busting heads like I said and with Jalen Mayfield people got to realize Jalen Mayfield is a tackle playing guard that's two totally different mindsets and two totally different responsibilities you got to be held accountable for Like I said, our main, and like I said, this year, like I said, this year is going to be kind of like the test for him. Um, I believe that he will take that next step. That center position is something, is something that scares me right now. That center position scares me right yeah. now. Really important. As a Philly fan, I, I feel you, fan. We started looking last year. Pouncey, yeah, because Pouncey is no longer there. Yeah. Who, who we started? We had Kendrick Green, and Kendrick Green. I love Kendrick Green. You you ever play basketball with somebody who they couldn't <laughs> score, but they were always trying hard on defense and getting all the rebounds? Right. That sounds yeah. like me. That sounds like me. You talking about? <laughs> oh man, 
But yeah, that that was Kendrick Green, man. He was always one of them players that were always getting emotional, getting penalties. You get what I'm saying? Fighting through the play, throwing the guy on the ground. And I'm like, okay, bro, you're doing this after the play, but do this during the play. Do this during the whistle. You see Big Mm -hmm. Ben bad there? You feel me? Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, yeah, man. I, I was trying because I'm about to talk about the Falcons. You feel me? And I love the Falcons. If you know, if I had to become a fan of what my hometown team was, I would be a Falcons fan. You get what I'm saying? My mom still hates me to this day for that. She's like, you should be a Falcons fan. You should be rooting for the Falcons. Like, I do root for the Falcons, mom. You get what I'm saying? So for mm-hmm. Atlanta, the way I just look at the roster, last year, you guys played how I thought you guys were. People thought you guys were going to be picking in top three. I said, bro, Falcons should be winning six, seven games. But this year, with how tough the competition got this year, Oh no! Go ahead, go, go ahead, be honest. Go ahead, be honest. Put a number out there. No, man. go, go ahead, be please be honest. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'll probably say four or five wins. I would be. Hey, I would I be mean, incredibly I would be incredibly surprised if you guys won less than four games. You feel me? I don't think you guys are going to be Houston Texans or the Chicago Bears. Oh, you thought Matt Ryan was getting lit up last year? Oh, Justin Fields? <laughs> oh, you better pray. You better get a sermon for Justin Fields, boy. That boy <laughs> got no receivers. He got only thing he has is Darnell Mooney and David Montgomery. Mm-hmm. You better pray for that man. Oh, Lord. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what Justin Fields about to say when he takes that first snap on the center. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Everybody, let's bow our heads right quick. Buy our heads, buy your heads, JT, buy your heads. Lord, um, football guys, um, please protect Justin Fields because if he goes through that shit again, he might end up quitting playing football. <laughs> he might end up crying again. He might end up crying. That dude was straight up tears and somebody said he wouldn't cry. What the hell was I know when somebody crying on the field, bro. That dude had exactly. a exactly. I, I'm, I'm, uh, look, I, I'm gonna just say this. I, I'm gonna just say this about the O line real quick, and we'll uh, close it. Um, JT, man, like, like I said, man, we love you. Love every time you come on. You do numbers absolutely set the the, the, the chat on fire. Um, but offensive line, um. <sighs> This team is they have a lot of talented guys, but if you don't have a clear vision of what your team is going to be, how can you like how how can you expect the offensive line to follow suit? Like you want these guys to be zone runners one year and then the next thing you want to go to physicality. Like you can't be inconsistent with your vision of what so now that they have a clear vision of what Arthur wants as a play caller. And and the thing about Arthur that I love most about this team and his offense is that he always has the offensive mind. And like he's never gonna put this team, the offensive line in a position where all right, it's second and 13. Let's go for a deep shot. No, he's gonna try to get he's gonna call plays to get you those four. To eight yards, and then we get in a better, um, we get in a better, um, uh, uh, we get them in a better position, and we go for the deep shot. 
he's never going to put them in a position where they're going to fail. He's always looking out for the offensive lineman. So that's what I love most about it. He's going to protect the offensive line. And like I said, when you don't have a running back, you don't have a running game. You should know this, being, being a Steelers fan. This is the reason why you went out and drafted um, no, Najee Harris. Like This is why you went out and drafted him. You had an offensive line. You see what happens when the quarterback can no longer move. You need that running back to move, like just just to make sure that you can call certain plays. You can't call certain plays when you got a quarterback in there who can't move. You can't do certain things up front, call a rollout, these types of things. You can't move the pocket. These are the things that you can do with a running game. So the Falcons have a running game, and you have a running back that's not averaging 2.2 yards a carry. You know what I'm saying? As a Mike Davis last year. We had a wide receiver, okay? I, I don't think people realize how bad that is. <laughs> Cordell Patterson is a hell of a player, but he's a wide receiver. And he was a leading rusher. That's bad. So I think this offensive line is going to be a lot better, especially with the running. Hey, wasn't bad for my fantasy squad last year. Want me to challenge? Hey, I know you. Hey, I know you. I know you was good. I know you, I know you was good, goddamn boy. I yeah, I was mad because I was trying to get Kyle Pitts before the season too. I was like, oh. <laughs> hey, hey, I, 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 I leaned on three guys last year. I can't believe I'm saying this. Tom, Tom Brady, Jonathan Taylor, <laughs> and Pat Freemout. Freemout. How do you say his name? Oh, the three names I leaned on. I don't even know how to hear Fire 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 Oh, I got to look at that squad again. I think I still got the name of that squad, but. Go ahead, keep going. I'm I'm finna look to see who was on this damn squad because I don't even remember. Yeah, who was but, but the last thing is, I saw somebody saying eight nine win. I don't, I don't see it, man. I looking at the schedule now, I see about five winnable games. Everybody else is a team that either is going to be in the playoff conversation or was a playoff team last year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm. A, I'm gonna take your. I'm gonna take your five. Your four to five, and I'm gonna raise you three on those because we gonna. Because the thing about it is, because we're expected to be such a bad team by everybody else. The element of surprise is a dangerous weapon in the NFL. It is, but at the same time, you know, it's so many fans that say that in the off season, also. I mean, where <laughs> we we on the impression that all the other teams like Seattle is going to take a step mm-hmm. back. You got mm-hmm. the 49ers, they're going to take a step back. Like they yeah. like oh, you can't what? expect the 49ers going to take a step back. I think they're going to. Kyle Shanahan is not ready. Like when you got Jimmy Garoppolo, you, like you had this guy on trading block. You had him on the trading block for for a reason. And and please don't tell me that uh, 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 Mr. Trey Lance is going to be an all star. Like I don't I don't believe yeah. that. Um, I I don't think they have a very good uh, secondary. I think their secondary is pretty bad. 
Um, uh, they have a nice uh, front seven, but they secondary. I don't think they're secondary pretty strong. They're very. They 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 are what I call safe. They have a safe secondary. They don't make a lot of they don't make a lot of mistakes. They're always in the right place. But they they front seven builds them a lot. And and the way that Kyle Shanahan calls plays, he doesn't put them in a position where they have to do too much on the defense. They have to be too aggressive. They don't have to make take chances. So I, I don't think San Francisco is going to be the same team. I know Seattle won't be the same team. I, I think Dallas is going to get up. Um, they're going to get better, um, especially if Zeke is healthy. Um, offensive line and Dallas, I, I don't I don't ask the question there. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I know Philadelphia. I don't like I said, I don't believe in Jalen Hurts. I don't believe in anything that dude does. Uh, uh, he's he's a guy that's just like he's a RPO guy. That's 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 what he is. He's never going to be anything other than that. He's an RPO mm-hmm. guy. He takes. At, at the end of the day, I'm gonna just say this: he's Trent different. He's Trent different with legs. That's what he is. <laughs> I just don't think the NFC is a very good. I, I just don't think the NFC is gonna have that team where it complete like one team completely dominates. And if that team, if that is, if there's one team that's close. And this is even uh like even this is a is a stretch. It's Green Bay. I'm only on the premise that Aaron Rodgers is gonna do Aaron Rodgers things. Because that defense is gonna cons- they're gonna be uh consistent. And like I said, the only team that I see that I can say, all right, that's the team to beat is Green Bay for me. Mm. I, I, I agree with that statement. You know, the NFC is up for grabs. But when you compare Atlanta and what they have right now, and you just have so many question marks, there are other teams that have less question marks than what the Falcons have. And the 49ers, they added um, Traverius Ward, cornerback from Kansas City, and free agency. And Jace Ferret has – he's been solid. He's been really good, as a matter of fact. The dude just can't stay healthy. But I I definitely feel with Kyle Shanahan, you kind of sell them short because the dude has elevated – Every single quarterback. When Jimmy G was injured, he had trade. He had Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, backup quarterbacks balling, and Brown Hoyer. And they only lost half a game by one possession. You feel me? Backup Kyle Shanahan had backup quarterbacks balling. Twenty twenty. Yeah, he got a solid. He got a solid running game. Like one thing about one thing I say about Shanahan, he's always going to have offense that puts up numbers. Because he relies on the running game, he mm-hmm. knows how to keep running uh, quarterbacks out of plays where they're not going to make a ton of mistakes. You make a ton of mistakes in this offense, you're not going to be, you're not going to play. He's just if, even if you make mistakes, he's not going to give you another chance to make that mistake. That's the whole thing, with Jimmy G. He doesn't give Jimmy G those opportunities to, to throw 40, 50 times a game because he can't handle that. So Kyle Shanahan is going to do the same thing. That's just great coaching. He's always been a great play caller and 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 uh, uh, in game adjust. That's his. That's what he does best. But my thing is, thing is 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 he what he's going to do with the passing game? 
he's he hasn't improved in the passing game since he's been in since he was with Atlanta. He hasn't improved in the passing game. The last two things I want to say is this: mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan has always elevated every single quarterback he's had. Even when he had backups, they still had the 13th most efficient um, passing game in the league. And he built the offense around RG3 his rookie season. So he's going to put Trey Lance in a situation to succeed. Now, the last thing with Drew Talk Sports before I leave, he said, if the mm-hmm. Bengals can make the Super Bowl, anything is possible. You see, the difference between the Falcons and the Bengals is that the Falcons don't have Joe Burrow. And I love, I love giving this little speech, man. Joe Burrow is different. You feel me? Joe Burrow is cut from a different cloth. Joe Burrow is not your average quarterback. How many quarterbacks do you know in year two can turn a losing franchise and just drag them to the Super Bowl? Now, they did have a great group of wide receivers, but they had the worst offensive line in the league. Not every quarterback does. As a matter of fact, no quarterback in the Super Bowl era has ever went to the Super Bowl with the bad offensive line that Joe Burrow had. He was sacked 10 times against uh, the Tennessee uh, Titans. Not as bad, but the Falcons under Matt Ryan when he won the MVP. No, no, no. This Matt Ryan didn't get sacked t- 10 times in the playoff game. Joe Burrow was the only quarterback <laughs> in the history of the league to win a playoff game getting sacked 10 plus times. He got sacked 10 plus times. Remember what you said earlier about the Falcons offense moving backwards? The Bengals were moving backwards and on third down. They had a running game, JT. They had a running game on top. We we like what I was saying about Matt Ryan, even in when he won the MVP, the Falcons statistically offensive line, they gave up like I think they gave up like 40, 40 something sacks that year. On top of it, Matt Ryan was one of the most hit quarterbacks that year. So it it you have to have balance in this league. Like I, I believe that Joe Burrow is different. I, I like I, I totally uh, agree with that. He's different, but he has a complete team. One thing I like about Cincinnati that I think that nobody's really paying attention to is not so much the the run, not not so much the, the wide receivers, but his situational. What's the dude now? His situational play calling. He just knows he, he can feel the momentum switching in the game. And he just knows what to dial up with that team. He knows his team in and out. And I think that's the biggest thing with Cincinnati that is different from uh, what other teams have. It's just the coaching. And and we we not go we we not gonna go past the past the damn fact that Joe Burrow looks like Macaulay Culkin. Well, we ain't going past that. We ain't not finna go past that. Hey, that's why you go to plug yourself too, bro. Make sure you plug yourself and tell everybody where you can find you, man. You guys can find me on JT Sports. All you got to do, type in JT Sports. It should pop up. You might see the trading card one. It's the one that has the most subscribers. Forget that other one. You can follow me on Twitter. I got a new Twitter because my old one got hacked, and then I can't get it back because Twitter's being a hoe. So <laughs> JT Sports underscore underscore is my new Twitter, and you can follow me on Instagram at JT Sports underscore. I love you guys, man. I love coming on here talking Falcons. I actually got a pretty good amount of Falcons fans. I, I'm always surprised about how many Falcons fans there are on YouTube. Even before I met you guys, it was a pretty good mm-hmm. Falcons following. So I appreciate you guys. I love talking about the Falcons. I hope 
that I can talk about you guys being good so I can talk about you guys more because I hate talking about teams that might not be that great because it seems I'm just hating. You feel me? But <laughs> I root, bro. I really, I, I really am rooting for you guys. You feel me? When you guys won seven games last year and everybody had you guys winning three, four games, I stood by my six, seven game prediction. You guys delivered. You feel me? I think this year you guys are rebuilding, regardless of how you guys feel. I feel it, next yeah. year you guys are going to get things right. You feel me? Maybe you guys get Bryce Young. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm going to say that. I knew the case I was going to say. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like, like OG Sam said, if I want Chris Leak, I get, I get Bryce Young. If I want Chris Leak. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my God, man. Nah, 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 nah. The reason I say that too, man, is because, like I said, you don't know what you got. Like I said, if you draft, if you draft the quarterback in the third round and you don't know what you have, you don't want to. You don't want to feel like you wasted a pick mm-hmm. on that position. Like I said, even if the Falcons do finish that high, what if they end up getting the defensive tackle that gets that high that they've been wanting this year? Yeah. And Georgia Will. does have the best one in the country. You're right down the street. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got Will Anderson down in Alabama. You, like I said, you got so many different things. That's why I said, I'm not looking at that. I'm not looking at quarterback next year, regardless on what the hell happens. I know that's the popular thing. I'm tired of I'm tired of offense. I'm tired of talking team. about quarterbacks. It seems like that's all we talk about now. It's like my damn it, can we rush? But all right, y'all guys, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Mm-hmm. Let me know anytime you guys want me to come back on. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, we good, that. man. We hey, hey, you definitely welcome anytime, man. For sure. All right, so let's go ahead and we're gonna we're gonna. We're gonna go ahead and wind it down tonight. We're gonna wind it, you know, you know, you know, we gotta wind it down right. Hold on. Yeah, we gotta do it. <laughs> so I hope y'all appreciate what we gave to y'all tonight. Shouts out to JT Sports. That's DJK Styles on the ones and twos over here, giving you that nice talk, rhythm, style. Make sure you continue to support not only Mad Mike Sports. The six man K styles on the road to 1K. Mad Mike Sports on the road to 10K. We almost there. So, for all the beautiful people that's tuning in, make sure y'all leave that like, leave them, leave, leave your comments. Make sure you hit that notification button. Make sure you also like, share with everybody that you know. And let us know if you would like to see more interviews like this did y'all like did y'all like that we talked about other teams besides the Falcons mm-hmm. yeah yeah please let us please give us feedback on that so definitely let us know man and there might there, 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 there's gonna be a spe- there's gonna be a special surprise tomorrow so I bet y'all tune in tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get ready for that. Because I have a feeling that there is a triangle coming tomorrow. Hmm. 
Hmm. I tried so until next. Mm-hmm. So until next time, people. We ain't here to play. Mm-hmm. We here to stay. Mm-hmm. You ain't gotta go home, but you gotta get the hell up out of here. Smack that ass. Smack that. Smack that. Ooh. <laughs> Deuces.